Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Slasher Scotty. I am your host, Scotty McCoy, and boy, do I have a surprise for all of you. I have on Zoom with me right now, Arch Hall Jr., and he played Tom Nelson in the film Ega. How you doing, Arch? I'm doing good, Slasher Scotty. <laughs> so I'm so glad to have you on. Greg Gilbert, a good friend of mine, uh, put me in touch with you. Uh, did a show with him on Python's Paradise, and here we are. Awesome. So the first question I got for you, how did you get your start into being an actor? Uh, that's a pretty easy one to answer. I just was sort of born into it. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I might equate it with if your dad was a, in contractor or in construction and uh, and you'd go out to be around him and he's talking construction or electrical contracting or whatever it might be, drywall. And that's all you hear all day and all night. And finally, uh, he starts doing his own uh, contracting or his own building and he calls upon you to, to kind of pitch in and expect you to uh, know something about the business because you've been around it for so long mm -hmm. or hearing about it by perhaps osmosis. But that's essentially it. It's uh, It was a passion of my father's and uh, I was still living at home at the time. And, uh, you know, it was interesting. It was fun. Um, uh, but it was something that I just sort of grew into. I didn't you know, I didn't think much of, about it, really, as far as a choice or a, a vocation or things like that. Absolutely. So how was your dad as a director, especially when you were like when you were working for him on EGA? Well, uh, he wasn't directing all the time as other some other people were. But when he was directing, it was fine. He and I got along magnificently, really, it almost uh, almost like mental telepathy. He could think give me a look and I knew what that look was. I knew what it mm -hmm. meant. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, sometimes it's harder to have, you know, to be working for a family member or, or a parent. I know my first boss was my aunt when I worked at McDonald's and she was the store manager. She was always harder on me than everybody else. Probably had to be, right? Because yeah, in front of favoritism. Boy, not look good if she was gave you a cushy job or didn't... Mm -hmm. uh, command you if you did something wrong so you know i understand that you know yeah and a little bit of that rubbed off too but for the most part it, it was on the creative end because i was always usually in on the writing or mm -hmm. casting or something in the in, i'm not going to say up front but in the shadows mm -hmm. or kind of giving signals to my dad i think i like this person mm -hmm. or this i don't think this is working or, or and he would pick up on that and, and re appreciated it so Absolutely. Um, so did you have to audition for your role in ECA? Not really. No, it was it was sort of a uh, because I was uh, I had a band at the time and we were mm -hmm. playing. So the idea of the character being a musician and all this, it's sort of I think it, it came to my dad pretty easily. Well, I've got a I've got an in-house uh, uh, person that can do that. So right. <laughs> Absolutely. Um so what was the best part about filming Egon? What was the worst? The best part? Uh, the best part was probably uh, the best and the worst kind of combined was being out in the uh, in the desert in the summer. Very, very hot summer of 1961. I had just graduated from high school mm -hmm. at, uh, at uh, age 17. And they had just filmed a couple of uh, films in the same area. Uh, one was uh, 
I can't remember which one was first, but it, one was it's a mad, mad, mad world, which mm -hmm. is a, a great comedy film with, with incredible stars uh, in it. And the other one was called was a kind of a quirky film called The Satan Bug. And we used some of the same uh, general locations outside, uh, except they didn't go in the sand dunes. We were down in some sand dunes that were very, very thick and uh, unpredictable. And we had a couple of mishaps with the dune buggy uh, breaking the frame. It had a very poorly welded frame. It was actually, the dune buggy was actually, a. there was nothing you know like we see today with the Volkswagen uh, uh, bugs and things that are cut down. Mm -hmm. It, this was a uh, 1939 Plymouth sedan, actually a four-door, very heavy car with a you know box frame and everything. The frame was cut, the body was removed of it, off it completely, and then the uh, the frame was welded, but gas welded very poorly. And uh, some of the welding, uh, I have to take uh, credit for the problems because it was all slaggy and contaminated. And then when it was under stress and you're coming off of a jump or something, and I guess what happens, it breaks. Mm -hmm. and so there was two occasions I know, we knew it was breaking, it was, it was gonna fail because it was, it was moving. The frame, mm -hmm. the frame was moving. And, uh, but uh, the first day it broke, it, it actually both days it trapped me. The first day was worse. And uh, because the, the frame uh, collapsed in the center, uh, the steering wheel was connected, you know, the front half and the back half went down slightly, but the steering wheel actually rotated down and pinned me in it. I couldn't, you know, I had to lift the steering wheel up to get me out. And it was more, more weight than I could lift. It took about four or five guys to lift it up. Oof, yeah, that's, cr that's crazy. Um, so we know that EGA was filmed in the 1960s. Um, so how does filmmaking and acting in a movie back in the 60s compare to today's filmmaking process? Well, not that I know all the answers, but mm -hmm. um, I think that one of the largest things are, are multi-cameras and digital, uh, the digital medium uh, mm -hmm. cameras, uh, very miniaturized, everything from GoPros that are incredible uh, resolution to just all SLR type cameras in the, in the uh, uh, movie mode. Mm -hmm. And um, I've seen, and it, you know, being kind of an old schooler, I've seen, you know, we have cameras that are very heavy, uh, Mitchell's or even Aeroflexes on, on tripods. They're, they're uh, kind of stationary, you know, for the mm -hmm. most part unless they're on a, on a track or something or a boom, uh, or it's a handheld uh, for effect. But um, you still have marks and actors have to hit these marks and uh, they're either on the ground or they're uh, a geological point or something uh, because that's where it's set up to get the right picture or right uh, angle they want. Mm -hmm. uh, I was talking to a good friend of mine who was doing some TV shows, a uh, fairly current uh, TV show. Well, maybe not so current, maybe the last five years he was doing it. And he was sort of amazed at how much it, it has accelerated because he's more into it than I am. Mm -hmm. uh, is that people are not asking you, so well, do you want me to hit any mark or do you want to mark? No, 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 you just you just go with it and we'll just, uh, we'll just follow you. And uh, they had, uh, you know, maybe six cameras running at one time and got their mark and, uh, and uh, and he just walked out there and uh, actors kind of interacted very naturally. 
and the camera just sort of moved around, moved around if there was any movement necessary. But they captured it all just uh, just off camera of, of each other, so they didn't overlap anything. And uh, and uh, it was like uh, duck soup. Actually, he said it was amazing. Uh, and uh, the sound was sort of the same way. They're either wearing hidden uh, wireless microphones, or there's a boom man or something that's right off you know right off camera. Uh, it, it's it's really cool. And there's no there's no if they're not using film. Of course, everything is digital, and it's uh, it's uh, there's no loading magazines or worrying about bad exposures or spoiled uh, footage or anything like that yeah. due to contamination. And, and that's one thing that in the in the low budget or, and ultra low budget films that I that I was involved with, <laughs> a lot of times we would get our negative stock uh, discounted, uh, what they used to call short ends, and mm -hmm. uh, studios you know, Desi Lu or MGM or whatever, they'd be shooting several films and they would end up changing uh, a magazine. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they would they would not use the magazine. They'd unload it and it would be completely a, a full magazine or full, so many feet of film, a negative. And other times they'd, be, they'd use half of it. Mm -hmm. uh, well, a real, I'm going to say, a real motion picture company wouldn't dare take a chance on film that there's no guarantee on it's not new it's been mm -hmm. contaminated you you should probably figure it is contaminated and it's no good and you're not going to use it yeah. but when you're on a budget uh that's not necessarily uh, in the cards so you kind of cross your fingers and pray to the gods and uh, and hope mm -hmm. that it's good and in most cases it is good yeah and so cases it wasn't good and uh, my dad even uh, recalled back in the late 1930s where they were shooting a western in california and uh, they got some film perhaps discounted or they didn't know that it was it was messed with they shot the entire film and lost the whole film i mean the whole thing was a was a disaster and it was due to they didn't get certified brand new films you know negative stock wow crazy and nowadays you can simply create a movie specifically indie film type of movie with your cell phone like just get your iphone out and you can make an entire movie we did that with our recent movie that's in post-production now we we just shot all of it on an iphone and it looks beautiful <laughs> yeah things have just changed from you know back then to now with just with technology in general technology it's a scary thing and i i'm saying that technology is like taking over the world really because i mean what can you know everything you do is technologically done really well it take it took away a lot of the uh um uh, a lot of the of the uh complexities i think mm -hmm. and then it opened up other complexities in the new uh genres of uh, new mm -hmm. technology but uh, it made it certainly much easier and much uh, uh, attainable for somebody to have high quality uh, uh, film. And there's, there's techniques which you probably are aware of, but there's techniques that you can emulate shooting on film digitally. Yeah. And, and that's, a, that's a good trick because that gives it a more cinematic look, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely tactics uh, uh using lighting and color lighting but yeah 
Absolutely, and I, I mean, with with any type of like horror movie or effects, I pre- I'm always the type that I prefer practical over like CGI because practical is practically done. It looks, you know, it, it looks a lot better to me. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah. Um. So for somebody that's trying to w- break their way into the acting industry, like, what advice would you like to give them based on, um, you know, them just trying to get their start? I probably wouldn't give them any different uh, advice than if they wanted to become, uh, uh, let's say, a pilot or go into aviation. Uh, It's got to be in your heart. It's got to be a passion. And uh, whether it's filmmaking behind the camera or or working in front of the camera as an actor, Mm -hmm. uh, I I see no difference. You have to have it in in your heart because it's not going to be an easy role you know mm-hmm. to, to choose especially in the entertainment and film business so that's starting out um you've got a lot of difficulty and there's going to be ups and downs and a lot of the downs and uh, if somebody doesn't have i would say a passion is the right word but also uh also an ego or a central core that keeps them going through sort of bad times or in the uh preliminary stages of their career uh they're not going to stay with it mm-hmm. and and i sort of uh, uh recall a story that came from uh from a very famous actor charlton heston and his uh, acting i can't think of she's very uh, i believe she's passed on but she's an acting coach and uh he and several other mainstream actors uh uh Marlon Brando and you know many many others, but mm-hmm. she singled him out long after he made a great career, and uh, uh, he took her aside at some kind of an event and he asked her. She said something always been bugging me. He said, um, "Why didn't you actually? You always sort of discouraged me. You tried to discourage me. He said, well, you know, you should be in a in a in a, in a good you know play." play a group or you probably get some work on Broadway and, mm-hmm. and uh, get in a local acting group and everything when you go back home and and do uh, and, and I think you're going to find it's going to be very enjoyable whatever you do in your life uh, other than that you know to make a living and why did you say that to me and she said well why I said it was because if I had any capability to discourage anyone you included from uh, continuing in acting I would basically just cut cut you short and you would continue on to some other you know some other uh, employment or mm-hmm. chasing career in some other field he said uh, or she said and she said that uh, however if I could discourage you then it obviously meant that you didn't have what it took to go through the trials and tribulations uh, to become an actor. And he thought for a minute and he said, yeah, you were right, you're right. She, she <laughs> said, but it was, there was no danger if you had what it took because your ego and your passion for the, you know, to act and everything would, would carry you forward and it wouldn't really matter. You, you just kept coming, you know, relentless working towards your career. And uh, so he sort of appreciated it. He he did he wasn't expecting that from her, but uh, but I thought it was kind of poignant and uh, and kind of dead on target for somebody that said 
you know, a lot of people expect things to come easy and they may not. Now, in my case, I never really pursued an acting career. It sort of fell in my lap. Mm -hmm. But if I had wanted to pursue it, I would have had to have a passion for it and to mm -hmm. get as an actor. And um, obviously, I chose another another uh, fork in the road and going into another business. But Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like with acting, auditioning is a big part and obviously and 95% of that is rejections and then if you do get a part you you're gonna you're not gonna get all you know you did a great job type of thing you're gonna get people that are gonna criticize you and if you don't have a backbone and a spine to stomach it you're gonna it's tough it's tough good friend who uh who was uh, went down to audition uh, this is years and years ago, and the star of this of the film was uh, was uh, oh my god! Uh, remember Bullet? Uh, Steve McQueen. Okay? okay, so Steve McQueen was a star, and he was uh, in the latter part of his career, and of course he was he was suffering uh, health wise, mm -hmm. and he was laying down. This was in a studio in downtown L.A. or in Hollywood, and and he was laying down on a cot. And it was sort of dimly lit over in the corner. And my friend came in to read for a part of a uh, kind of a southern uh, southern sheriff. And at the time, his headshots and everything, he had lost about 70 pounds of weight. So they were looking for a, a guy that uh, uh, was very heavy set and sort of looked like that, you know, cool hand Luke sort of, you know, look. And I mean, not not Paul Newman, but the uh, some of the characters in the uh, in the film. So he, anyhow, he's he's there, and he comes down, and he walks in, and he said, "Well," and and the director said, "Now who are you? And you're coming to read for the oh you oh you're this Ver Middleton? Boy, you don't look anything like the pictures that we've been looking at your you know headshots we got from your from your agent and everything." Mm -hmm. He said, "Well, I lost a lot of weight, and I haven't taken a lot of you know pictures since then." He says, I don't know. I said, I, I, I don't think. Uh, and he turned to an, another assistant and said, uh, what do you think? I, I, well, maybe it was the assistant. And he turned to the to the director and the director said, oh, no, he's not going to work out at all. He just he's too much of a thin guy or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, all of a sudden out of this, uh, the shadows there. Uh, uh, oh. Who's the actor I'm trying to think of? Uh, played Bullet, uh, Steve McQueen. Okay, mm -hmm. Steve McQueen uh, got up and walked over and said, uh, "Where'd you come from, anyway?" He said, "Well, I come you know north of the San Fernando Valley, all, all the way down here, and the parking and everything is kind of a big hassle." I was, I was sure hoping I could get a chance to read for the part. Right. And uh, and McQueen said, "Hey, give this man a chance. He's come all the way down here to read for the. Let him read for the part." Yes, sir. You know, boy, they got it. So he read for the part and everything. And that they loved the way he read read the lines, but he didn't have the visual thing happening. They had in the, in the script, everything was this obese Southern sheriff. And it, well, he wasn't obese. He was skinny as a rail, you know. Right. But it, it, it was a wonderful thing because, uh, you know, and he left thinking that, you know, here's this guy. And I think even then people knew that he was suffering from uh, health issues and, uh, he said, thanks, thank you very much, Mr. McQueen, and everything. And he says, no problem. So sometimes, uh, you know, it's kind of surprising uh, what happens. 
but it's always stress and you never know what's what you know what you're in for yep absolutely and at, when i had my interview last night that was one thing we talked about like just because you didn't get a part or whatever it doesn't mean you are gave bad delivery you could be the best actor in the world but you might not look the part you might not look the part <laughs> that's true and 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 sometimes the acting if you're a voice actor they look at look at your 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 they look at the person and they can't imagine this same actor that i know he does a lot of voice acting commercials and Mm -hmm. and uh, he's done it many decades and uh, he did a commercial the other day I had to laugh I'll, I'll tell you his age he's 81 years old okay wow. he's 81 years old he did a a teenager uh, with a uh, acne problem commercial he did the voice wow. uh, match the voice to the commercial and so for a radio spot and uh, and he came down and met the uh, met this one of the sponsor representatives and the producer mm -hmm. and stuff. Now he auditioned on the internet, uh, which is done now. And, mm -hmm. uh, and he recorded it on the internet from, from th three different variations of what they asked for. And mm -hmm. it was quality with a Neumann microphone and everything that they, uh, they just took his basic uh, audition uh, as, as they used it in, in the commercial. And uh, and the and the guy said anyway when he walked in he says well you no no you you're not you, no no you, he's not the guy where's the guy you said he's here from the the you know the acne commercial or whatever the product name is and I can't think of it and he said no that's him he said, you gotta be kidding me he said he's an old man that <laughs> oh. was funny my friend goes sort of goes hmm. well sometimes sometimes not seeing somebody will get you the job yeah. And, see them you won't get the job so in yeah. his case not funny another time the same actor is a point of interest that while we're on the subject he was over at, at i believe in warner brothers and uh he was looking at a car i think it was a um camaro or a mustang or something. it looked really beautiful and he was going up to it and looking at it like that and uh one of the it was right next to a trailer and, he, and somebody came out of the trailer a guy and hey you what are you doing over there he said, oh, excuse me. And he looked up, and it was Clint Eastwood. Ooh. And he said, oh, Mr. Eastwood. He said, no, I'm just admiring your car. Yeah, well, I just, uh, there have been people coming by and, and kind of putting handprints all over it and everything. He said, I know, go ahead and look at it. He said, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to yell at you and everything. He said, I'm gonna, I got to get ready to go play piano tonight with my son or play uh, with my son over at a club in uh, San Fernando Valley. He said, really, so I'm a musician. Oh, he said, you know, what do you play? He says, well, I play drums. And Burr said, uh, uh, yeah, I'm a drummer, mostly jazz drummer, but I can adapt to anything. He says, hell, do you want to come over and play with my son and I tonight? Wow. He, you know, what an opportunity to get in, to get to know and uh, inside, kind of inside the, uh, the, the uh, gatekeepers with a guy like Clint Eastwood, who's a wonderful guy. So, and he made the worst mistake of his career. He said... Uh, well, I'm a member of Local 47 Musicians Union, and he said, uh, is it going to be a union gig? And, and, and Eastwood said, union gig? No, we're just going over to a jam session. Uh, but he said, if you're worried about that, he said, I'm sorry, but, but you're certainly welcome to come. You want to come and, and play drums? And he said, no, I better not. I'll get in trouble. And after years after he said that, actually about 30 minutes after he said that, he said, 
what the hell did I just say and ruin a chance to, to you know, a jam session with Clint Eastwood and his son. And uh, he's never forgiven himself for that. Wow, that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Yeah, that that's that's a lot of regret right there. Who, <laughs> Nelly boy? Okay, so the last question I do got for you: Do you have anything that you would like to promote to the listening and viewing audience? Well, uh, I'm going to start a a new website and some things, uh, and I'm working on trying to peddle a script, which uh, the audience can't really help me much on that, but. Uh, uh, when I do, I'll try to let you know. Maybe absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I'll I'll post it on all my uh, social media accounts. I'll definitely do that for you. Well, I think yeah, no problem. I thank you so much, Arch, for uh, joining me today. Thank you, sir. Thank you absolutely. very much. Absolutely. You have a great rest of your evening. All right. You too. Bye.